This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another World of UX podcast. This is Darren Hood, your host, and I'm glad that you have taken time out of your schedule once again to join us here on the show. We are continuing the subject that we've been covering now for the last few weeks, overcoming the mirage of UX ambiguity. Again, very brief recap. Is there a reason for people to be confused today with regard to UX? Yeah, (laughs) there is. Uh, People do have just cause to feel like they're confused. Is there a reason for people to be confused about what UX is, about the different positions, wondering how to interact with UX people? Folks, all of these things that come up, these are things that happen. There is a reality associated with this confusion, which with this ambiguity. However, my contention My, I can't call it a theory because I know it to be true already. It actually is a mirage. The the confusion that many of us have experienced, that we do experience, the confusion that a lot of people appear to be subjected to would not be the case. It would not exist. It would not happen if certain things were in place. And so that's what I've been addressing on this series of, of, of sessions where we've been looking at this topic. We originally thought it was going to be three weeks and it has blossomed into well more than the three weeks we originally intended. And we're probably going to, we're going to end up cutting it short because we can almost name the, the podcast, the, the UX ambiguity and just talk about it every week. There's just so much going on and there's so much that we could cover, but what we're going to do today in addressing this topic just a bit further is talk about yet another contributing element. And when I think about it, and as I looked over some of the previous recordings and some of my notes as I get ready for the podcast, this may be, from a certain perspective, the one biggest factor that contributes to this mirage of UX ambiguity. This may be the one thing that if we could do away with this thing, if we could overcome this, the world of UX would change dramatically and we could actually get that wheel to move in the other direction. I have a picture of a water wheel in my head. And if you've ever seen a water wheel, the water comes down and because of the way that the water is is hitting the wheel, it causes the wheel to spin in a particular direction. If the water went the other direction, you could actually get a different result and the wheel would begin moving in the opposite direction. We have some really serious problems in the world of UX today. And they pretty much are all connected to what I'm covering here, this issue of UX ambiguity. If people knew what UX was, if people would do the right things, if they would represent the discipline properly, 
if people wouldn't try to fake their way into positions and actually earn them, if people would 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 actually campaign for and manage the UX maturity levels at their organizations, which is, is that issue is is there because of the uh, lack of commitment to not just the confusion or the appearance of confusion with regard to UX, but there's no commitment. If we could, man, if we could get this thing to, if we could resolve what I'm going to talk about today, it would be different for everyone. But I'm not going to pipe dream. The reality is that we have challenges. Uh, we have challenges that people in other disciplines don't necessarily face. And it's because UX is a very young discipline. Uh, made a, a post recently and someone had mentioned, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. That applies to things beyond UX. Well, I'm only addressing UX. It's the area where I live. This is the area where I operate as an expert. This is the area that I can affect change in. So I'm only concerned with this one for the most part, because this is this is my domain. This is where I operate. And I would trust and, and hope that people who are listening to this to this podcast are in the same boat that UX, the way that things are going in UX, this is the bed. It's going to be, I should say, it's going to be the bed that we have made. So we have to sleep in it. So how we identify what we respond to, a lot of people have soapboxes, whatever soapbox you choose to get on and the message that you choose to to present to the masses, I would hope that you would be concerned with the direction that the discipline is going. Even people who claim to not have soapboxes, people who claim that they don't have uh, a horse in the race, they just come and do their work and they go home. No, you don't. Everything that everybody does who's operating in UX spaces, no matter what the skill level, no matter what the educational level, no matter what's going on, everybody impacts how UX is perceived. Everybody impacts the maturity of UX in their organizations. Everybody impacts how the 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 leaders, the C-level people and your, your stakeholders, how everybody's going to respond. So this is critical. And I haven't even told you what the topic is or what we're covering. You know we're covering overcoming the mirage of UX ambiguity. But the part that I want to talk about today is the issue that one major contributing factor that I that I alluded to a little earlier is willful misrepresentation. This is our biggest, biggest, biggest problem. And this sort of piggybacks on last week where we were talking about individuals and the, the grapevine dilemma and, and more specifically, the issue how people are not selective about their resources. This ties into that from the perspective that that willful misrepresentation, the the, the willingness for people, and, and in many cases, they don't know that they're doing it. A lot of people are so zealous and frankly so self-centered that they don't realize that they're doing it. That people are writing articles about UX and they're inaccurate. Again, I, I alluded to this last week. I do believe I may have said it directly, but you have to vet out the articles that you look at. You have to look at the posts that you see about UX and social media. You have to look at them with a critical eye. So many people are worried about being judgy and they're worried about judging. That is one of the most hypocritical things I have ever seen 
in my life because everybody judges and we judge all the time. When you say that somebody else is being judgy, guess what you're doing? You're being judgy. The, the, the thing is not being judgy or being judgmental in this crazy politically correct world that's doing us a whole lot of harm. There is something that's wrong. There is something that's right. There are experts. There are newbies. There's nothing wrong with either. <laughs> Just identify what the standards are, the best way to do things. And, and if we exercise that critical thinking and validate something, vet something out, that's a good article. How do I know that? Because they covered this, 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 and this, and they did so accurately and in a responsible way. People aren't doing that. A lot of people are afraid to do it for fear of looking judgy. A lot of people are afraid to do it because, frankly, again, I'm just going to be really frank. This is going to be a really frank episode. People are cowards. People are afraid to take a stand. People don't want to say what's right and what's wrong because they don't like the attacks that people like me are getting from the folks out there who are afraid to take a stand, who don't like standards because they don't want to be accountable to those standards. So instead of being accountable to the standard, they chose to or choose to engage in gaslighting, engage in character assassination. And what they're doing in the UX world, they're actually casting aspersions and having people look away from the standards and the whole time, have you noticed this at the same time where people are casting aspersions toward people who were leaders in the world of UX, they're also redefining UX. I, I got to give you another tidbit here before we get into some of the examples I'm going to cover this week. I remember years ago hearing a, it, it was on cassette, it tells you how long ago it was. I remember listening to a presentation on cassette and the cassette, the, the topic was mind control. This was not how do you control minds. The, the presentation that I was listening to was being given by a person who used to work for the CIA. And what he was presenting was how that people engage in mind control by changing definitions, by playing games with terminology. Uh, we know it a lot today as gaslighting. That's basically is what it is. And gaslighting in this political uh, arena that we're in now is really, really huge because there's a lot of it going on. So people tend to look it up. It trends a lot. You see a lot of articles about gaslighting. A lot of information about gaslighting is coming to light. It's really interesting that that same presentation I listened to a long time ago is so prevalent now because people, people keep trying to exercise gaslighting and flip the script. They they are accusing people like people like me, uh, people like Debbie Levitt. Shout out to Debbie Levitt. People like Doctor Nick Fine. Shout out to Doctor Nick Fine. People like a lot of these great leaders, thought leaders, people who are fighting the good fight, trying to take a stand for for UX, trying to define it properly, not gatekeeping, trying to. And I'll I'll repeat the way that Doctor Nick Fine referred to it. He called it quality control. We're trying to help people understand what UX truly is and trying to show you the way to grow in your career, how to get better at your craft and to go forward. Nobody's keeping a gate. Nobody's trying to keep anybody out. What people are doing is standing up for the discipline. We learned it years ago, but a lot of the people today, they don't want to learn anything. 
They just want the position. <laughs> so consequently, instead of trying to find out what's right and aligning with that, they just engage in the gaslighting, trying and then at the same time redefining UX. And that's why I brought up the mind control bit. When people are trying to to get people to think that UX is something that it is not, that is on the line of this willful misrepresentation that I speak of. The articles that are out there, medium, full of, chock full of inaccurate articles about the subject of user experience, no matter what angle they seem to be approaching it from. These god-awful posts on LinkedIn, and I'm starting to see them more and more. Do you know what UX is? Let me show you. And then they engage in an exercise in visual design. That's not UX. And people already thought that UX was visual design. And so when they see people and they're loud and they're 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 presenting things often and 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 people are are connecting with these folks and these social media entities and they are are because they don't know what UX is. And so they're believing that what that person is presenting is indeed viable, that it is indeed accurate. Then when somebody like me comes in and starts talking about what I'm talking about, then they get confused. So <laughs> truth confuses you if you've been uh, wallowing around in, in, in foolishness, frankly. And I told you it was going to be frank this episode, so here we go. It, it will, have you ever been in a case where you you believed something but what you you found out later that what you believed was wrong do you remember the state of mind that you were in when you came into contact with with facts associated with that that belief and how it was how how that that impacted you to hear that and then if you were being honorable about the whole thing you would go and look up the information that was presented and when you looked up that information you found out that what you were hearing was indeed true and that you were wrong the whole time you just let it go and you go in the other direction so nobody's keeping your gates nobody is trying to stymie your progress matter of fact we're actually helping your progress so Everybody's not going to believe this. I'm not even going to worry about that. But for those who will, I, I hope people value it. I hope people understand it. But again, let, let's in the time we have left, let's talk about some additional examples of willful misrepresentation. Uh, there are a lot of people out there, and, and I've experienced it when I was a manager. Uh, I experienced it in helping to, to address uh, applicants for positions. I've heard it about this happening all over the world where people have been trying to get UX positions and they're willing to lie on their resume to get the positions. They're willing to go in on their resume. And for those of you who don't know, you guilty people out there, it is easy to see when somebody went through their resume and flipped a few things around to plant a buzzword here or there. It's actually, it stands out quite a bit. It's pretty easy because there was no, there's no flow anymore. All of a sudden UX and, blah, 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 and UX and, blah, 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 and UX. And when, when these things pop up and they don't really flow, and then we look at someone's LinkedIn profile and you look at their resume and you look at everything else that they're doing. And then all of a sudden they, I mean, they're trying to present themselves to you as a person who wants to do UX, but nothing else that you see says that they want to do UX. Those people, in many cases, are fabricating who they really are. Willful misrepresentation of who someone is. That's a problem because if the company doesn't know how to interview for UX, and they come across that person, 
That's why those people keep getting the jobs a lot of times. And it's actually causing the discipline to become misunderstood and devalued. I remember a, a, a story about this actually happened to me. Uh, I work for a company and the, the first thing that I do on practically any project, especially on a redesign, is to conduct a heuristic analysis where we want to look at the common convention or examine the site, I should say, based on common convention, based on proven practices or proven principles and best practices. When you examine something and look at it from those three angles to see how well has the current design been executed, what can we improve upon, uh, what can we do better, where have heuristic uh, principles been been actually contradicted and and where can we make things better for the user as well as for the business well so i was working for for a company and we we're doing a, a basically a a redesign and so the first thing i did was conduct a heuristic analysis and someone a boot camp grad again this does not demonize all boot camp grads uh there are some parts of the world i was talking to someone from south africa recently all they have for the most part in many cases is a boot camp. You just want the boot camp to be designed right. And the boot camp folks don't have a bad idea. They have a great idea. It's just not executed in the States. It's just not executed properly. So so at any rate, again, want to make sure that people understand that. But the boot camp grad looked at what I did with the heuristic analysis, something he knew absolutely nothing about. And he laughed. <laughs> yeah, Darren, you can do that since that's the stuff you like to do. That's what you expect. Here's somebody. This was indirect misrepresentation, and it's willful in that he was willing to throw me under the bus in the way that he spoke about the heuristic analysis and the value that it brought to the project. Um, but people trusted him. And they saw his voice as expert, even though he had only been to a six month boot camp and had no prior experience associated with UX and had no idea what I was doing when I did the heuristic analysis and did not know how to value it. This is a problem, folks. If people who do not know what UX is and are responsible for delivering some type of UX value, bringing UX value to a particular product or a particular work, if someone, a stakeholder, engaged with that, thinks that what that person says is indeed valued, it will result in the real expert doing something that will itself become devalued because they're going to mirror the attitude that is presented by that under other individual, and now UX loses. Now people don't value the heuristic analysis and and one of the other stakeholders just to 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 take this example a step further one of the stakeholders looked at the information that was presented and they said these heuristics are outdated guess how much experience he had with heuristics if you said zero you are absolutely right if you were wondering or you're thinking did he really even look at what you did you would be absolutely right he did not he was simply defending his company's product that I had performed the the heuristic analysis on uh, everything that I said was dead on accurate and it provided us a, a an avenue to improve the user experience from A to Z but because one person didn't know what they were doing and but decided to speak anyway 
operating from a Dunning-Kruger mindset and you had another person who was operating under total bias because they only wanted to defend their product and didn't want anybody addressing it, now you have people making statements. They're basically misrepresenting what UX is indirect, but still misrepresenting what UX is and causing people to devalue real UX. And folks, when real UX is devalued, it will result in a total, a, a totally uphill climb for someone that's really dedicated to doing the work the right way, to doing UX as it is intended, as it should be executed for the good of the business, for the good of the users, and the work that we do always impacts the perception of the discipline. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. I have some more examples, so I'm going to continue talking about this topic next week. So until then, this is Darren Hood, your host for the world of UX. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.